Hey friends, it's Emily. I just wanted to give a quick content note about part two of our How the Church Fucked Us Up series, I guess you could call it. We will be continuing topics of rape culture and consent, and I will be going into the topic of abuse, specifically domestic abuse. So if that's something you need to skip for this episode, that's totally fine. We want you to take care of yourself. Next week will be an episode that does not include a content note, so stay tuned to that if necessary. And if not, get ready for How the Church Fucked Us Up, Part 2. Plug your Insta right now. Yes. We'll do it at the end, too. Follow my Instagram account. It's Disology, um, D-I-S underscore O-L-O-G-Y. It's great. Okay. I love it. It's like I've gotten so many people that just follow you just because I was like, yo, you want to talk about how shitty faith, not faith, how shitty the church is? Yeah. Like, or you just want to like, because I have a friend who I'm pretty sure just started following you. Mm. And he, oh, I yeah. went to, I went to college with him Mm -hmm. and when he came in he was like sunshine and roses and was like we're gonna minister to our fellow classmates in the 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 center green and like ask them about their faith and ask them like why they don't believe in jesus and i was like personally for me i was like i am just now like becoming like a person that can talk to strangers um just because i have just like very intense anxiety about talking to new people because like I have a lot of factors going against me. I'm Christian. I was homeschooled and I think I look weird. So like, and I'm also like AFAB. So like, who's going to want to talk to me? You know, that's not AFAB or a woman. I was just like, oh man. Like, and I, w- I sat next to him and it was so painful. Aww. He was like, he would like look to me and this other like Christian. Cause w- there were like three of us. And in the entire CCS, like, campus that we knew of, there was three, and we all found each other. We're like, Jesus? Jesus? Yeah. Okay, Jesus. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, like, he would go out into the green and try and talk with, like, but he would talk with the, the, <laughs> the most atheist of all the atheists. Because he would pinpoint them. He's like, okay, I know that person just hates God. I'm going to go talk to him about God. You guys in? And we're like, oh. <laughs> And I was just like, fuck. (laughs) But I would sit there and it would be so painful. And I'm just like, this is why I'm not a missionary. (laughs) This is why I don't go up to people and ask them what their faith is. I would rather have a conversation with someone. I would rather get to know them. Mm -hmm. And then be like, yo, what do you think about, like, where we go when we die? And I'm like, (laughs) no, but, but it's just really funny because he had a very intense faith deconstruction and I don't know all the details of it but I remember like far as I knew all through college he was pretty he was pretty pretty much still on like the Christian train like Mm -hmm. towards the end definitely starting to deconstruct but then I met up with him at this like group thing like we went and like all drew at a like a a restaurant and 
he was like, oh, yeah, you go to God still. Uh, you go to God. You, <laughs> he's like, you go to church still, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Fuck God. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And it was, like, really hard because I really wanted to have a conversation with him at this point. And he's probably going to listen to this. Like, I would really like to have that full-blown conversation with him at some point where, like, I just find out all, I know like certain things where like certain things because he's brought it up before like very very in small doses but mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to him more about like the exact journey or whatever right. but in I didn't go quite that far but like well I was growing up I definitely got a lot of the the man is the head of the household your entire existence is just to grow up get a man to like you and then you can have the sex and then you can you're a woman Mm -hmm. did you ever use like oh i just can't i just want to get married but that was code for i really want to have sex yes (laughs) yes i'm not allowed to talk about that yes any any christian teen that's like i want to get married when i'm 18 it means i want to have sex when i'm when i'm 18 you know can't wait to have sex and this is the only place i'm allowed to do it yeah just find any willing partner and marry that person like oh they're cute they play guitar in the worship band oh that's top tier top tier that's top tier youth group material yes top tier (laughs) boyfriend material like guess whose husband plays guitar and led worship oh Oh, shit oh shit (laughs) he was also homeschooled just to like yes (laughs) represent (laughs) oh my fucking god but yeah that's another that's a whole another no you're totally fine that was a wonderful moment thank you for that But growing up, not only in the church, but also being homeschooled, like, I got a lot of the whole, like, men are the head of the household, guys are the initiators, mm-hmm. women are not, mm-hmm. and and then growing up through the youth group, I, I really, like, developed my own faith apart from my parents because I was also, like, one of those people that, like, pushed boundaries, and mm-hmm. I was just like, what my parents said yeah, okay, they're probably smart, but I, like, want to figure it out because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm i just generally somebody who wants to know the, like, every angle as much as possible. And so, I I mean, I, I definitely still had, like, a lot of, like, conservative thinking. But then as a teenager, I started to question those. I started to get deeper into, like, a more relationship with God and, like, trying to figure out how does this belief work for me personally and then so that was wonderful like getting more of a an understanding of myself in faith but then once I went to college I started to figure out how my faith affected others Mm. and that's where I just because like everybody talks about in the church how like it's a personal relationship Mm -hmm. with God which it is, but then you also have to think about how that's going to affect others because your personal relationship with God is going to affect how you speak with other people and your conversations and, like, what you fucking post on Facebook Mm -hmm. and, like, are you going to alienate other people by the way you were raised? And, like, yeah, it works for you, but, like, I don't know. Like, I remember the first time I 
said to one of my gay friends in college, I was like, well, you know, your lifestyle. And they gave me a look and I was like, fuck, I fucked up. Mm. I fucked up so bad right now. And I said, just kidding. (laughs) 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 And I was like, well, you know what I mean? And they're like, no, I really don't. (laughs) Like, cause I, I, this isn't a lifestyle. This is me. Yeah. And that was the first moment where I was like, fuck, I just said lifestyle because that's just what I've been told all my life. You know, like Mm -hmm. I've never had gay friends. Mm -hmm. Like it's really funny because like when I went to college, I gravitated to the two other Christians and there ended up being another one, but like the, the two or three other Christians in my school. And then I like gravitated to the gays too, because Mm -hmm. like growing up in like a, in the, the, like the 2010s, essentially the early 2010s, and being queer, I feel like still wasn't like as cool as it is now, and it's mm-hmm. not as widely mm-hmm. accepted. Yeah. So like being queer when I was a young teenager was still like whoa, yeah, like people sure. were still saying the f word yeah. towards gay people, yeah. and and so all the gays kind of like congregated in college because we were like, yeah, we're at an art school, but like this is the gay squad, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're all together. We're affirming one another. And so I just thought they were really cool. They're also hella good at drawing. So I was just like, teach me your ways. <laughs> and I started hanging out with them and I was just like, wow, these people are like, not that I thought that gay people were, weren't normal or whatever, right. but like it opened my eyes to the fact that it's like, Oh, I've been told all my life and I didn't necessarily like agree, but I didn't necessarily disagree. And I was just with, like, oh, gay people are different and they, like, they just always want to have sex and, like, they just, like, you know, they have an utter disregard for God and Jesus and, like, I don't know, like, you know, just stupid things that, like, you don't even think about, like, Mm -hmm. taking on as a belief or even just, like, a personal thought and then you're, like, and then you say it out loud to a gay person Mm -hmm. and they're, like, the fuck? What? Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was really shitty. I'm so sorry. Please, like, talk to me and, like, help me, like, not be shitty. You know? Like, I would have said something like that and doubled down and been like, no, you're totally a sinner. You know what I mean? Like, I would have been like, I'm a shitty person. and be like, you're a shitty person. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess it was just also, like, part of me, like, I I need friends. I want friends. You know? But, like, through that, I'm like, I was like, okay, well what does this mean? Like, do, do, like, cause I've been taught all my life that mm-hmm. like gay people go to hell mm-hmm. and like, what does this mean? Because like, these are my friends. Now. I don't want them to go to hell. But yeah, it, when you start evangelizing hardcore, like, oh, you no. have to accept Jesus into your heart. <laughs> no. I mean, like I did have, I did have certain conversations with people who were agnostic. Mm. Um, and I was just like, yo, like, you know, and this is how I feel. And like, and they like it was some really good conversations and it kind of just opened my eye to the fact that I was like maybe like what I've been taught my entire life is it exactly true or maybe I I was like I don't know because I I love these people and they're genuinely good people and I don't know ah, like I don't know what to do now because I'm just like I've been faced with it because I've been so privileged quote unquote, or mm-hmm. I've been just so sheltered to like, these, these are my Christian friends and I only hang out with Christian mm-hmm. friends, blah, blah, blah. And then you meet somebody and you're like, whoa, yeah. mm-hmm. there are other people in this world. And I'm such a selfish, like self-absorbed person that I'm like, 
the only people in the world are the people that are in my group and like, (laughs) you know, right. So, and then meeting you, Dom was like such a, like a relief (laughs) because I was just like, tell me how this works. I don't like, (laughs) I don't think how I grew up. That's not like, uh, like, right. If I'm going to be honest, I think that the vast majority of people who are raised in evangelicalism, the, the systems and the structures that are set in place for the genders and for marriage and for parenting, all of that stuff at one way or another, you're going to hit a wall mm-hmm. because it's very black and white and it's very rigid and it doesn't work for the vast majority of people. Mm-hmm. So everyone at some point, I feel like if you're honest with yourself, you're going to hit a wall. I feel like some people hit that wall and are just like, well, I guess this is life, you know, yeah, but then yeah. other people are going to look for a way. Well, no, I think to scale it, you mm-hmm. know, to yeah. be like, okay, wait, this doesn't work. What's on the other side of this wall, you mm-hmm. know, like, and that's, yeah, I feel like that's what yeah. you're describing. Yeah. Well, cause like when I met you, I was like, okay, definitely gay. Definitely gay. Okay. <laughs> cool. I want to like, I was like, want to be friends. Well, cause like, I thought you were cool. And you, you, <laughs> your short hair. <laughs> I was like, this is a short-haired person, and they have come in with another woman person, and hmm, so you thinks, went to like a young adult yeah. group at a so, like okay. Assemblies of God church with a girlfriend. Yes. Okay. So let me give you <laughs> background story. Yes. So, um, <laughs> my mom went to this very very small Baptist church mm-hmm. um, after leaving like my childhood church because. She got a divorce, so oh, yes. you, you can't go there anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Divorce um, is that sin. Yes. She <laughs> was a sinner. She wasn't allowed to go there anymore. So, which, like, in theory, she was like, I don't want to go here anyway. Like, you people all suck. Yeah. Um, they were, like, absolutely awful to her. So um, she found this new church. It was very, very small. Um, Like, very, very small. Like, maybe, like... She's 20 30 something people go on a sunday morning Mm. like 30 probably is a little more realistic but i mean very small Mm -hmm. so she went and she like scoped it out and then one day she like you know gracefully comes up to me and at home and she's like hey i've been going to this church for a while i really like want you to come with me Mm -hmm. because at that point i was like i'm not going to church ever again yeah not gonna happen i was exploring other religions at that point like I read a lot of books on Buddhism and I basically wanted to be anything but a Christian. Mm. (laughs) I was like, give me anything else. I just don't want that. Mm. Um, So I started doing a ton of research and everything, which terrified my mother Mm -hmm. because at her core, she is a Baptist Mm. and she um, started asking me a lot of questions. She was really afraid. I remember the first time she came into my bedroom and I was reading a book and it was called Jesus and Buddha as brothers Yes! And she was like, I'm sorry, what are you reading? And I was like, it's about the comparison of Jesus and Buddha. And she was like, no one is like Jesus! You know, like, freaks out. And I'm like, whoa, dude, like, it's just a book, relax. So anyway, she invited me to this church, partially because she was afraid for my salvation, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. Yes. I went with her. Well, first I was like, well, like, what's it like? I asked 10 million questions Mm -hmm. before I ever stepped foot in a church. She actually approached the pastor and was like, what is your stance on, like, LGBTQ things? Mm -hmm. And he essentially came from the standpoint of, you know, we believe that it's a sin, but we believe a lot of things are sins. And that we don't, like, it's not going to be something that she's going to be persecuted for any different than we would persecute people for 
any other sin, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what that means. Like, (laughs) is that the whole, like, hate the sin, love the sinner thing? Like, is that where you're going with that? So anyway, I went just to, like, make her happy. Mm -hmm. Never got involved in the congregation because I just wasn't my thing. They, like, very old school, very, like, old hymnals and, you know, organs and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Just wasn't really my cup of tea. So, but she loved it. She got really involved. She was running the, you know, like, the teen ministry. Um, So when I went... The very first time I ever went, I was sitting next to her in the front pew, and I turned around, and there was this, like, really hot girl walking down the, like, middle aisle, and I was like, who's that? And my mom was like, if you even think about it, that is the pastor's daughter, and I will kill you. And I was like, challenge accepted. (laughs) And she was like, Dom, I'm not joking. And I was like, whatever, mom. Anyway, we became very good friends. And she started going to this youth group or a young adult group that Emily and I met at. And so she wanted me to go with her. And I was like, here's the thing. I don't just walk into churches. So you go scope it out. Let me know what you think. If you think it's safe for me, then I'll go. Mm -hmm. So I went. The first time I ever went, I did not go with Elise, actually. I went with Corey. That was the very, very first time I ever went. I remember. But he is a very flamboyant gay man. Yeah. Very, very flamboyant. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? We're going to grab this by the balls, Corey. We're going to walk in there, and we're just going to see how they react to us. Mm -hmm. It was a really great experience. Everybody was really nice. Mm -hmm. But, of course, you know, the political stuff untangles eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, So everybody's, like, super nice, whatever. It was the one of the only places I had ever gone where, like, I never heard a sermon about homosexuality. Hmm. Well, that's scary, and Chris was It's it. scary, and Chris was like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Chris the gays guy. go away. Chris is a great guy. I love Chris. Um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, like, I can handle this. The music was good. It was, like, people my age, which mm-hmm. is what I wanted. I ended up not coming back for, like, a couple months. And then when I did come back, I came back with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And we went religiously. We went every week. So (laughs) that was, I don't know, it was an interesting experience. Like, I enjoyed it. I I felt like I got a really good, I got a lot out of the messages. But then it's like you you hit a wall Mm -hmm. where it's like, I know I can never get married in this church. I know that... If I attend church on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. during the regular, you know, service, people are, like, staring at me yeah. when I'm not there for, you know, the young adult ministry. Mm-hmm. So it was just, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was ballsy. Yeah. But I w- am and was ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, I go in and people are mean to me. Right okay, used to that, like, mm. I'm not going to be, like, shaken up by by that experience, because at that point, I was already so jaded by the church, yeah. that I was like, you're not going to, like, make me more jaded. Mm. If anything, you are just going to, like, confirm what I already know, which is that most of the time, the church is a complicated place for me to be, mm-hmm. but I've just kind of reached the point in my life where... I don't let that affect my relationship with God. Like, it sucks that I can't find a place, uh, you know, a congregation to feel like, you know, that's my community, that we're all, you know, everybody wants to be a part of that. But I've just kind of sort of separated church and God at this point. Like, 
I see them as two very different things. Yeah. Which they really are, though. They truly Absolutely. are. Absolutely. But I feel like if you're raised inside the, like, if you're raised inside the church tradition or in, especially evangelical tradition, those two things are fused together. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. It yeah. took me a long time to <clears throat> separate those things. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm still separating those things. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really challenging. But I remember um, when I was talking to my mom about it, because... My mom's always been really understanding, mm-hmm. even if she doesn't necessarily agree with everything that mm-hmm. that I believe to be true. She's just always been like, you know what? As long as you know that God loves you, like we don't we don't have to argue about the rest. Like <laughs> she's like, as long as that doesn't change, like yeah. that that's what's important to me. And that was kind of always like the point that she drove home, hmm. always over and over and over. She was like, God loves you, like as long as you always know that. Mm. The rest is, we can debate the rest. Mm-hmm. And we do. And to this day, still debate those things. And she'll tell me all the time, like, sometimes I'll say things that she disagrees with. And she's like, you're just really radical for me. And I'm like, Jesus was radical, mom. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what he did. He, like, shook shit up. That's mm-hmm. what he was all about. Yeah. And then she says that my idea of radical and Jesus' idea of radical are very different. I'm like, but are they? Yeah. Are you sure about that? Yeah. No, but like going back to you talking about um, going to that young adult group and like what's the worst that can really happen. And I feel like this is what a lot of people are actually getting a little bit like jaded or bitter about is the fact that like you hook us by being so nice and yes. accepting, you yes. know, like yep. even like um, I have a fear right now even of getting too involved in a church. And I'm a straight, cis, white woman. What do I have to be afraid of? Is there so much ideological boundary keeping that, like, I don't necessarily believe in the inerrancy of scripture or, like, things like that that are very ingrained in our pillars of the faith. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, like, you can be very like, oh, everyone is accepted and welcome here. And we love everybody and everyone can come in and everyone's so friendly. But then like, you're going to hit that point where it's like, but I now no longer conform to your box. And so now like, if I stay here, I can only stay as a participant and I can never really truly get involved or never even truly feel like I belong. You know, I'm always going to be just outside of the group. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that can be so harmful. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like churches who are like, oh, but we really love everybody. We love the LGBTQ community, you know, these like evangelical churches who are trying to like, they're trying, mm-hmm. like they're at least trying. They don't see the, the, the like the backlash that's going to come sure. from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like what I experienced at that church specifically was that, so I went in with the mindset that, like, what's the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. Then it went well, Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, cool. And then I, as I slowly started pushing the boundaries, I remember one time we were at Bible study, and I, like, said the word gay. I was like, I'm going to see how everyone reacts to this. <laughs> and they all just kind of, like, sat there. Like, deer and headlights. I don't even remember what I said. I said something about gay people. Mm-hmm. And they were all just like, and I was like, guys, it's okay. Like, you're not gay now just because I said the word gay <laughs> in the same room as you. And then I, um, you know, started bringing a lot of my friends. Mm-hmm. And one of my really good friends at the time he's a trans man 
And I remember there was like all these women flirting with him and then they found out he was trans and they were like, Oh, like I wish you could have like seen the expression on their Mm -hmm. face. It was like, they were so mortified. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, where, you know, like it was like the longer I was there, the more it like really got pushed. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the elders in the church were like, we don't like Dom. <laughs> we don't like Dom at all because she is, you know, shaking shit up too much is essentially like what happened. Yeah. And that's how they ended up pushing out the pastor and whatnot mm. because he supported me being there because I was just trying to be there. I mm-hmm. wasn't, I was just existing with all of these other people and inviting my friends just like anybody else would mm-hmm. when they came to church. And yeah, it was, I don't know. It, I'm glad that I had that experience. Because it taught me that there can be a community for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know where yeah. <laughs> or when that's going to happen. But I don't think it's impossible anymore. Mm. I used to think it was impossible. Now I'm like, it's less likely than impossible. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still like it's still an option. Like I think it can happen one day. Yeah. So I'm glad that it happened, even though it was a shit show in the end. Mm, yeah. And we, I met Emily. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, meeting you was like the crux for me starting my faith deconstruction because I was like, I'd grown up in a Presbyterian church and then in a non-denominational church and it was very seeker friendly. So it was kind of like our our youth group mm-hmm. where it was like, we're just going to be super friendly to everyone, but we're not really going to talk about it. Like yeah. maybe they'll throw in like, we're going to have a purity summit because summit sounds fun, you know, (laughs) or we're going to have like a sexuality summit because, you know, these are are young people and they all want the sex. So we're going to talk about it. And they would talk a lot about like sexuality as it pertains to like a man and a woman. And then they'd be like, yeah, gay people go to hell anyways. So don't (laughs) look at girls breasts. (laughs) So like I like I don't know like so like again the whole like gender thing was like very much ingrained but then meeting you I was just like what what do I do like and what like what does it mean and I like the fact that like you weren't like you weren't trying to like be like yeah I got this shit figured out you're like well you know like this is this is what I I know that God loves me because I believe in him and he calls me to love other people, which is what I'm doing. And like the greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind and to love other people. So like, you know, like you didn't say that exactly, but check, like, check, check, God, check, God mm-hmm. going to heaven, <laughs> you know, and like, and just to be reminded of like stuff like that is just like, it was just like so affirming because like when you go to church, you get all of this like extra stuff and they're just like oh well you can't do this and you can't do that and they put so much shame on you Mm -hmm. but like but they don't like but they just it's just for shame's sake it's not for like oh you're gonna go to hell if you gossip or you're gonna go to hell if you like lie about something it's just to like make you feel bad about being a human being because literally everyone does it and yeah. then going to a fucking Assemblies of God oh, church. How did we all end up from that? that from that situation? <laughs> and that was because my yeah my husband at the time went to it, and I was like okay, and like 
again, like, when you first go there, like, all the young people are super, like, welcoming. So and they're nice. so nice. I but followed then, a hot girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. And she went straight I into the like, arms of the ugliest man there. I was like, girl, I'll go wherever you want me to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It was just... It, but... But it's just like everything is great on the surface, but then like you start chipping away at those layers. Yeah, and then you realize that there are people speaking from the pulpit that have had sex with like five different girls that are in the audience. And they're like, don't yeah. have sex before marriage. Don't have sex before marriage, but I put it in five of you. Ew. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and it's just like. Uh, ah, it's, mm. I, I'm at a place now where I'm like trying to figure out what the purpose and function of, of some of this stuff is and I feel like it's all this grand scheme to prop up the patriarchy you know yeah. like it really is yeah. and it makes me so like angry and frustrated that I didn't see it not just patriarchy but capitalism oh as well I'm like oh, a yeah. raging socialist <laughs> but like so much of it exists just yes. to keep us all in line yes. if I can keep you focused on like these stupid little minor personal piety issues about you know whether or not you're having a lustful thoughts about somebody or I can make you obsess about whether you're gossiping you know Mm -hmm. you're less likely to revolt and eat the rich so you know like I'm just saying we we took the faith um, structures and the the things that Jesus said which were very radical Mm -hmm. and he was a rebel (coughs) rouser and uh, we like we tamed the lion and turned it into a kitten and now it distracts us from the real problems we're like but it's a cute little kitty yeah (laughs) i remember one time i was like in a group of my queer friends and we're all you know because most of us at some point or another had like been involved in the church Mm -hmm. but a lot of my friends were raised catholic which is just sort of similar to baptist but like different and yeah. more culty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> yes, it does. Because I feel like one of my best friends, she grew up Catholic and she's like, it was very, very culty. And also my ex-girlfriend grew up Catholic and mm-hmm. I would like go to mass with her. And I was like, this is kind of scary to me. Mm-hmm. Like, but not less scary than like being in a Baptist church. <laughs> like yeah. equally as scary, I guess. Yeah. So we were all kind of like deconstructing these concepts that we learned. And I remember one time I was talking to my girlfriend currently and I was like talking about my faith and what my thought processes are and my beliefs. And she was basically asking like how I've come to all of these conclusions when there's, when I still have so many questions, like Mm -hmm. she's like, how did you reach this point where Like, you have this belief system that is so against you when, you know, you still have all these questions that are so unanswered. And I was, like, trying to explain to her, like, how I got there. And I was like, you know what, let's let's just, like, really dumb this down. Because at the end of the day, it's really a dumbed-down thing for me. Like, God is this, you know, massive thing. Like, this thing that we truly can't comprehend Mm -hmm. and to some people that's a reason to like write it off like well this doesn't make sense so like why would i believe in something that doesn't make sense Mm. but for me god not making sense is almost comforting oh i totally get that because i feel like 
if my brain that works at like what 10% mm-hmm. of you know like a brain's function can be at 100% right. and it works at about 10%. Right. If my brain that only works at about 10% can fathom something, then it's not that cool. I agree. Yeah. It's not that cool. Mm-hmm. If I can fathom something, then it is as small as I am mm-hmm. and I don't think I want to revolve my life around it. Yeah, I agree. So, and I, when I said that to her, she was like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never thought of it that way before. Yeah. She was like, normally, I think, like, if you don't understand something, then you just don't believe it because mm-hmm. you don't understand it. But when I think of God, I'm like, I don't I don't want to understand God because mm-hmm. if I can understand God, he's not as great as we think he is. Right. So, uh, but that was... That was, like, a very new concept for me. I've, like, really come to terms with that in just, like, the last few years because for a long time I really struggled and I was, like, I don't have all of these answers Mm -hmm. and that's really scary. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean for me? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like especially because a lot of what, like, passes as faith in this culture and in, like, our kind of, like, cultural context isn't actually faith. You know, faith is, like, not knowing. And what we mean when we talk about faith is, like, this sense of certainty of having all of the answers. Mm-hmm. Like, there is so much theological and doctrinal and dogmatic work around the institution of Christianity. And it's so specific in what, like, some of these believe that we have, like, hundreds of denominations because we differed on the interpretation of this one very specific minor thing, like, infant right. baptism doesn't even effing matter. No, it doesn't. (laughs) But because you believe in infant baptism and I don't believe in infant baptism, we need our own denominations because that is a system that is very rigid and that is very based in knowing the absolute answers to everything. And I would agree if God can be contained inside of a, of a structure of a, a thinking structure, even that makes sense to me, then he's not God. I've created a God that I worship but at the end of the day. That's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the one who created the system. Right. Um, and that makes sense to my brain. And therefore that's what I worship. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that whole concept doesn't make sense to most of us because we don't understand faith in that way. And I think that because we want it to be this very rigid structure, you know, like, because it feels safe and comfortable, whereas I think faith is supposed to be more of a journey. It's going to have its ups and downs. It's going to have its, you know, like very dark moments, but it's also going to have these very high moments as well. And we're not prepared for those when they happen because that's not like staying static in a house is the same thing over and over and over again. Going on a journey, you have no idea what you're going to encounter, you know, and I think that that is more what, like, a relationship with Jesus or God or whatever the deity is, that's what it's going to be though. Yeah. Which is so funny because a lot of times like there's lots of allegories about journeys Mm -hmm. with God or they talk about like your journey with God or like fucking like pilgrim's progress where Mm. like it's an allegory about a guy figuring out God and he goes through so many different revelations and like different ideas of what's going on mm-hmm. in his story. And it like, he comes to like a completely like, like different thing than at the be than at the beginning. Like it's, it's not so I totally agree. It's like you, if you put something like God in a box, you make him mortal. Mm-hmm. Essentially. I'm, always trying to push my art when I'm drawing or when I'm painting because I know that I'm not the best and I continually want to hone my skill to get better and better and like working in a tattoo shop is making me learn oh my god like I have to like 
create art in like a very specific way and very specific constructs that I've never had to do before. And like it, like being an artist or like learning a new skill and stuff like this, the same as faith. Like you, it's a constant thing that's never, I feel like can ever be like fully realized and Mm -hmm. finished, which is so scary to people because it's just like, well, because everybody wants to understand things and and like to have something that's just, you don't understand or you don't have a full grasp of that's terrifying, Mm -hmm. you know? So like when I started going through my divorce and going through a lot of, of like figuring out of like how I still fit in the church when this abusive person was still very big in the church. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, how, how do like, how do I go through this? Do I like want to tell people? And like, it's just very interesting to see how people are so rigid Mm -hmm. within their faith about things. And like, there's no like gray area. It's just like, Oh, your husband put his hands on you, but, well, but, like, you're, like, you're gay, though, so mm-hmm. it's worse. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just, like, there's no gray area to figure out, like, okay, well, like, how do you interact with abusers within the church? How do you interact with people, even, like, not even abusers, but just, like, people who are mistreating other people or leading people astray and, like, it, like there's no way to actually, like, grow past what, even the pastor has told you because mm-hmm. the pastor is the all-knowing person. Exactly. And if you deviate from like anything that is the normal way, mm-hmm. people like freak out. They're like, whoa, like you're going outside the matrix or whatever. The, you know, I don't know how that movie works, but like <laughs> <laughs> making references to things we don't understand. Yes, me. <laughs> but you're going, you're going outside like what I've been taught, but it's like, but we're not supposed to have this figured out. And like, Mm -hmm. if you think you've had it figured out, then it's like, then you're wrong. Like, I don't know. Mm. It's just, but the Bible is supposed to give us clarity and certainty. Mm. And like, if we just come to the word with an open heart, God will reveal it. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like in the Bible, you're not supposed to get divorced. And even though, even though in like the Bible, it says, Oh, well, like, you can get divorced if somebody's, like, getting abused. You'd be very surprised. It doesn't surprised. say that in the Bible. Oh, well, people told me Jesus, that. <laughs> Jesus says that um, he's questioned by the Pharisees about, like, <coughs> Moses says that we can give our wives a, like, certificate of divorce. What do you yes. say? You know, and he's like, I say that you can't divorce for any reasons <laughs> except infidelity. Yeah. yeah. Infidelity. Infidelity. Meant, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Paul elaborates on that because Paul is, like, This is what's so frustrating about the way we interact with the Bible is Jesus is working and teaching to a community. And then Paul takes the words of Jesus and the concepts of Jesus and he adapts them to his community. So this is one of those areas where Jesus is like, infidelity is the only exception for divorce. Paul's like, infidelity and abandonment (laughs) like jesus didn't say that paul said that Mm -hmm. but that's you know now that's part of our scripture so we go with what paul had to say paul has authority over jesus shit Paul is constantly adapting, mm-hmm. constantly adapting what Jesus said, what the church leader said, what was normal for that time to his community. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny because everybody talks about like when you go 
to youth group where you go to church and everybody's like, Paul's the greatest teacher ever. Right. I have to feed my dogs now. No, nope. that's <laughs> um, not going to happen. <laughs> but, sorry, dog. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, my roommate will do it. <laughs> but everybody talks about in church how, like, Paul is this incredible teacher and, like, he, oh, like, he's the be-all, end-all. But like you said, we like, don't have Christianity without Paul. Yeah, yeah no. truly. He, he's the patron saint of everything. Everything. <laughs> but yeah, it's mm, like, I like when we've had conversations where mm-hmm. we've talked about the fact that like people literally take like the Bible as like literal, mm-hmm. absolute literal. But you have to think about like the context in which and the culture in which and like the literal geographical location in which this this right. book was written mm-hmm. and then people try and put that in a very westernized mm-hmm. like situation but it doesn't make sense elaborate mm. could you because <laughs> <laughs> i love the way you say it and i can't i can't keep a thought together tonight oh, geez. <laughs> yeah so i think that the problem is that pretty much every other faith tradition judaism catholicism and a lot of other faith traditions if they have a holy text allow for it to grow with the times, right? Mm-hmm. So like when the Reformation comes in and there's the five solas that they do, one of them is sola scriptura, which means like on scripture alone, which means that there's no other authority outside of scripture. But the problem is that we have taken an ancient Near Eastern text that's about a spiritual journey and it's about people trying to understand spiritual concepts. So you have a lot of contradiction inside of that. And you sure. see this like this huge story that is constantly evolving and constantly changing and constantly questioning and rewriting even history throughout the Old Testament. And then the last word we have happens around 90 AD, right? (laughs) And then that's it. There's no more, no authority that can be spoken outside of what existed at 90 AD or CE before the common era and then CE after the common, right? Common Mm -hmm. era, right. Okay, sorry. And so then we take that and we filter it through a modern Western lens and it completely changes all of its meaning. All of its meaning is completely warped now because of our cultural baggage. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the church hasn't done any work to try and detangle it from that modern Western understanding of what the text is. So like things like Paul, Paul is an absolute dick by yeah, modern standards. Totally oh my God, you. Paul, you are an asshole. <laughs> like you have caused me so much conflict and heard it here. Oh, discouragement. <laughs> Paul, however, Paul in his cultural context is somewhat progressive because in the ancient era, women were viewed as property. Right. They are not part of the household. The man is part of the household. Women and children are not. So Paul telling husbands to love their wives was a radical statement. It was mm-hmm. elevating to the women in his congregation. However, Paul's working inside of a cultural context, just like we are. He's beholden to that. It would not make sense to anybody of his day and age to encourage or to fight for the rights of women as we now are trying to still fight for, even like 2,000 years later, let alone Paul's understanding about sexuality. Like Paul is working inside of a cultural context that's understanding about sexuality is so vastly different than ours. And what's so frustrating is that when the church clings to specific teachings of Paul but ignores others, because Paul also has a lot to say about slavery, but we do not bring those over into sure. our context. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
It doesn't make sense to try and read a text that's 2,000 years old, literally, mm -hmm. that it cannot change or it will not adapt or any of that other stuff. That That's but, what's setting us up for failure. Yeah, but as a modern, like, basically white church, we really pick and choose, like, what the yeah. Bible we want to absolutely take absolutely literally. And then other points were like, like, you know, just like, whatever, like, that's just what that meant, like, at that time. It was like, but, okay, but that's the entire, that's the entire Bible. You have to come up, you have to, like, think about it mm -hmm. in that context and, it it's just it's just mind blowing. That's why I love having conversations with you because like you know some like the ancient texts and like how like it's actually translated mm. and what they meant back then. It's just it's it's just like crazy to it's me. It's so lost yeah. on us. Like the original intent of scripture is so lost to its modern readers. Like <laughs> I love right now in biblical scholarship, there is a lot of work being done trying to get it back to that place. And there's something to be said about like, well, just because it meant this in its original context doesn't mean that it has to stay in that original context. Absolutely. But if it's completely divorced from its original context, mm -hmm. it's not going to make sense with the, the value system that we have imposed on it. Because everything that we think the Bible has to say is coming from a, a modern way of thinking about things. So even like an ancient, and I mean, this is so ancient of a text that is recording things like history an understanding of history, pre-modern era, mm -hmm. pre like the vast majority of the people can't read or write. This is an oral tradition. And so when you're writing about history, it's not the literal linear history that we are accustomed to. However, when we read the history of the Bible, we bring our literal linear thinking to that text and want it to conform to our understanding of what history means. Mm -hmm. The authors would have had no concept for what we are talking about when we talk about history. That's not part of their world at all whatsoever. So that's where like, I love what's happening in some of these like in the more academic world where they're trying to get back to some of those places to like let it speak for what it actually was supposed to do. And then what, what was its meaning there? And then how does that translate into the modern era? Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's so much like, I know at least for me in evangelical circles, there's a lot of gatekeeping about mm -hmm. what you're allowed to read yes. or who you're allowed yes, to read yes. or what you're allowed to kind of explore. Yes. And like the biblical academic world that's kind of divorced from the dogmatic Christianity world is a is an area which I feel like is very looked down upon inside evangelical circles. So there's this wealth of knowledge out there that would really help so many people connect back into this concept of who the deity is and who the creator is and who Jesus is. However, you would have to explore this realm that's been uh, taboo, you know, right. so right. yeah. I think that that was like a really hard concept for me to understand when, because when I was dating my ex-girlfriend, she grew up Catholic and her mother was considered more like, I don't, progressive is probably not the right word, but we'll use progressive because she read the Bible for herself. Because in the Catholic churches that they were accustomed to, yeah. it, that was the Pope's responsibility alone. Yeah. And so... And, and her mom read her Bible every single morning. And so that was like, she was almost a rebel kind of because she was read the Bible for herself, which is such a crazy concept to me mm -hmm. because even as a child, like we were encouraged to read the Bible for ourselves. Yeah. 
but we weren't encouraged to like interpret it ourselves. Like yeah. we were supposed to memorize the scriptures and then do what we're told, but not actually like figure out how we interpreted that and, and do research and read and, you know, do all mm-hmm. those things, which is why as a teenager, when I started doing that, my mom like freaked out yeah. and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm learning. <laughs> and she was like, no, like, you know, everything you need to know. <laughs> Did you remember it? You go to Sunday school. You're fine. And I was like, no, that's not true. Buddha and Jesus may have had things in common, Kelly. <laughs> and she was like, no, they don't. <laughs> just absolutely like terrifying to think about like the fact that you could actually like look at another religion or even if it's like uh, how do you say it like of abraham is there i don't remember oh a judeo-christian judeo-christian like i mean islam and 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 christianity and judaism all like point back to abraham Mm -hmm. and it's just so funny, like, to, like, my mom thought it was, like, super progressive for me to study the Quran as part of, like, my, even, like, just history lesson lessons, because mm-hmm. we would be talking about different things in history, and we would, like, the Muslim faith does p- play a, a big part in certain historical events, so she's like, okay, well, here's a passage from the Quran, clean what you can from it, you know? <laughs> but it's just so, like, it, it it's just... It's good to be well versed on other things. Like, it just always like made me laugh when my mom would be like, "Well, do you have any Christian friends at college?" I'm like, "I mean, I have like two. <laughs> why? Why would I be stuck in like just you know? Why I don't have to just have all Christian friends? I can have friends that like believe other things." And she's like, "But." Ah, but what if you stray because of the whole, like, mm-hmm. every mom, every Christian mom gets the, the statistic where they're like, well, typically, your Christian Nine child. out of ten <laughs> Christian children will walk away from their faith in college. Don't send them to those liberal schools. And God, like, don't take a psychology class. Mm, yeah, I remember the first time I took a psychology class. Not my mom, because my mom did, my mom wasn't quite that extreme. I, I went to church, and they were like, you're taking a psychology? class and I was like yeah I have to like for my major that's just like what I have to do and they're like you like reading tarot cards and everything and I'm like okay yeah sure like I you're right they do yeah Mm -hmm. that's the one thing I gleaned from Paul where he was like yo don't take anything I say at face value like actually fucking like look it up and shit so like whenever somebody would be like oh but like are you like looking too deep into that I'm like Fucking Paul said so. <laughs> He's the patron saint of everything. <laughs> That's what I've been told. I'm gonna follow it, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just so funny to like think about like just even like I don't know. Like I feel like Boomer Christian mm-hmm. parents are or like whatever's between Boomer and the other mm-hmm. thing. I don't know. I think technical. Yeah. I think technically, my my parents are like very. I think they're actually young Boomers. Oh, okay. I think sixty four. I don't know. Yeah, they're yeah, probably boomers. boomers. Yeah. But it's just so funny because I feel like people in that era grew up, like my mom grew up in like the 70s and the 80s and stuff. And as soon as she became a Christian, she was like, I will become the exact opposite of everything in the world. I will be the most purest, wonderful lady. Like, eh, nothing, nothing non-Christian in my life. And so for me to like actually think outside of the box for that thing, she was like, this is terrifying. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
And so, like, that's why she was like, oh, well, you can read the Quran. Like, I'll let you read the Quran. Yeah. Like, see if you can glean anything. And like, my, my mother's a wonderful lady. And she is, I feel like, outwardly has at least become more understanding of different beliefs and is willing to ask questions, which I think somebody of her generation, like, that's an incredible thing to actually sure. be willing to at least listen to and, like, have a conversation about that. But, yeah, it's like, oh, my God, like, don't actually think about this. Just inhale the Bible mm-hmm. and just inhale this faith. And, like, you have all the written answers, but don't actually think about it. Mm-hmm. You feel? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I feel like the entire system is propped up by ignorance. Like, it okay, actively yeah. works against you thinking for yourself. There are so many things put in place to make you afraid to question or to think or to explore on your own. I just don't understand why, like, why that was like a good strategic move for whoever decided that that's the route evangelical Christianity was going to go, who like sat around and was like, hey, I know, let's bash education. Let's just like, let's, let's build our faith system on ignorance. <laughs> like That's going to be our thing. Because well, ignorant people follow wherever you go. Because if you're a person of authority, then they're like, oh, yes, you know things. Mm-hmm. I'll just listen to you. Because mm-hmm. like, I like, especially like, I don't know if you notice this across like different denominations, but like people from Assemblies of God, the pastor is, is like God. Mm-hmm. If the pastor yeah. says something, unless of course he's progressive, then he doesn't know anything. <laughs> but then like, but the pastor is looked at, at this by the congregation as like somebody who is like this all-knowing person. They went to seminary. Mm. They know Hebrew and Greek and Latin and but whatever. You don't even have to do to be an Assemblies of God pastor. You don't have to go to seminary. No, you just go to Pennsylvania, pay like a shitload of money to go to a, a temple with golden pillars and people who get paid millions of dollars. You, you like sign up. They have like these weird youth programs and stuff. Like where yeah. right out of high school, you can sign up to go to some church for like two years, and then you come out ordained. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. No, I w- I definitely agree. I feel like the pastor for sure has taken in the role of God in most people who go to church's life, mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Hmm. All right, well, you want to wrap up? Sure. Okay. I just want to say thank you Aww. for coming on the podcast. <laughs> also, really, truly, truly thank you for, like, be using your privilege and standing up for people who don't have that as an option yet. Because mm-hmm. as, like, a young queer person – even though like you don't identify as a queer person just having somebody that was in my church to be like hey yo like it's okay for you to just like be here like we're happy you're here that was a really good feeling and it's really great that you stood up when it was even though it was challenging and like put you in a weird position where you're ostracized from that church now those things matter Mm -hmm. so thank you for doing Mm -hmm. that it means yes. a lot to yes. all of us. <laughs> yes. To us queers. Us queer babies. Yeah. And uh, just personally, like, thank you so much for, like, even, like, when we just had our talks, like, it's just been super affirming to, like, talk to somebody who's been in leadership and has seen how it can go awry and is trying to, like, make a difference, especially, like, with your Instagram page and the fact that you're actually having these hard conversations where, you're like, yeah, I'm about to just question everything that I've been taught, everything that is being promoted within evangelical churches, which is like, I feel like the biggest portion of churches within the country, honestly. Oh, for sure. And like, not just saying, 
yeah, like whatever the pastor said or yeah, whatever the Bible said. It's just it's refreshing to find somebody who really like you you don't have to do this. You it's not like you're you're not required to do this just because you used to be a a youth a youth leader or somebody of of like authority within the church. Like you're doing this because you actually care about it mm-hmm. and you're not like trying to make something off of it. You're also like not trying to be like the white savior of it all you're just like i'm as frustrated (laughs) as all these people like i'm just mad and i love (laughs) mad people me too and it's just it's it's so refreshing to have somebody you know who's been through where i've been been through like not necessarily where dom's been necessarily because you're not queer but like but somebody who's questioning and like and we need more questioning people within our our world and especially in the church because a lot of people just take it as face value they just do the status quo and Mm -hmm. it's just really affirming to have you as a friend and to be and to have conversations with you so love you thank Mm -hmm. you so much for being a wonderful person and for (laughs) doing your part in this world well thank you for letting me come on your podcast i feel honored as a straight person (laughs) (laughs) to be welcomed into this space yeah yeah for sure i just yeah working with youth still i think it's really important just for because i think that the tides are changing like i think regardless of if you're a young person right now and you're in church it might be working for you right now but like I don't think that the current system of evangelicalism will work for the Gen Z I think that it's the official end of evangelicalism with them because they're already there you know like they're raised in the church they're indoctrinated into it their parents are gung-ho about it and they're already questioning at 14 Mm -hmm. so the world has changed it's time for the church to change yeah I agree. Ooh, that's the tagline. That's the tagline <laughs> right there. That's it. That's the tweet. Um, well, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We love you. We appreciate you. Mm. Plug your stuff. Where can we, people find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs. Yeah, my main social media account is Disology. Again, it's D-I-S underscore O-L-O-G-Y. It's a somewhat new account, so I don't have like a ton of content on there. But there's also like a link in my profile to a blog that I just started. And I, I mean, the goal is to put out more social media type content at some point. So just kind of stay tuned. If you follow that account, you'll get updates for it. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. For me. Thank you. Yes. I just also, for those of you that follow the Two Queers podcast, I just shared Ashley's page. So that way everybody Mm -hmm. can uh, easily find that. It's on our story, but we can put it on our actual Instagram page too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that'll be easy for everyone to find. Mm -hmm. All right. Want to finish this thing off? Yes. (laughs) Tell people where people can find you. Oh, yeah. You can find me at hi, H-I underscore I'm Dom on everything. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all that good stuff. And then our podcast Instagram page is Two Queers Podcast, T-W-O. And the Twitter is the number two Queers Podcast. And I am Emily Craig. You can find me at Emily Craig, K-R-I-E-G, art pretty much on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, and we've been two queers walked into a church. We have. Thank have you. Have a great night. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>